0: Testing one two three four.
1: Yeah. You always do kind of a boring mic check.
0: You know what I've noticed? I notice? I listened to not in the car.
1: This is my mic. But I check. kind of found out no, like, no, this is my mic. It's check. not a
0: mic check. <laughs> no, this okay, is do your mic, mic check. Check. do your mic check. Your
1: mic check. My mic check, not your mic check. You don't get to talk. I get to talk. Uh, you have the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Joe and I'm Kirsten.
0: We've served in church leadership for over two decades,
1: and most of that we've been on staff together.
0: We're here to talk about our faith, family, and ministry.
1: Welcome to Under the Hood.
0: So, Kirsten, you're you're older than you were in our last podcast. I am. Happy birthday! Thank you. For those of you that may not know, it was Kirsten's birthday yesterday. And I will not reveal her age. I would just say that she is at least 29.
1: I am. I can confirm that.
0: In fact, the last couple of years, I've, I've just said, hey, happy 29th. We have We are frozen on 29.
1: I can honestly say there are years when it's time for a birthday, and I'm like, now how I have to go to you and go, how old am I going to be? <laughs> she did do
0: that. <laughs> you did do that this year. You're like... How old are you, Joe? And I told her, okay, so that means I'm, yes. Is that is that a thing? Is we, that you get to a certain age where. We're
1: the same age for the next three months.
0: That's right. I'm nine months older than you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so you do. From time to time, she goes, how old are you again? <laughs>
1: <laughs> what am I turning?
0: Do, do you? Do, does anybody else do that? Like, I don't remember how old I am. I have to think about it.
1: I don't pay attention to it.
0: Listen, age is just a number. I just pay
1: number. to the party. The confetti and the cake.
0: There you go. I, age is just a number. I, I tell people all the time, I'm in my prime. I feel like I'm in my prime at every age. Isn't that how you feel?
1: Know, I'm in my prime. I, Kirsten listen. is not
0: confirming that statement. <laughs> my dad used to say this growing up. Um, um he, he said, I always feel like I'm 20, 25 years old, 25 years old. My dad was 43, I believe when I was born. So I came a little bit later. And, um, as he got up into his fifties and stuff, he'd always say, he'd always say, I feel like I'm 25, I'm 50, but I feel like I'm 25. And he acted that way. He was always very energetic and, you know, he'd be 55 or 60. I remember, um, I remember when he turned 70, I said, dad, do you still feel like you're 25? And he goes, I'm 70, but I feel like I'm 40,
1: <laughs> so
0: it would age up a little bit. But anyway, happy birthday, Kirsten, Thank and your, you. And I, I think 29 is a good number to say.
1: Abby sent in to the staff all these really super cool confetti cannons that I was like, "Are you? Res- did you do
0: that? Are you responsible, Abby, yes. for that?"
1: <laughs> Last week, I knew I was going to be gone on your birthday, so I got on Amazon and ordered. Pocket confetti is what I was thinking it was, but they ended up to be little handgun confetti. They were awesome. (laughs) I had I had said, okay, so here let me set this up. The staff always have like a little quick birthday gathering on staff meeting days. And Abby had a day off, so she wasn't there. But I told the staff Yes, someone had gotten me a, a pie that I'd asked for, but I'd also made a dessert. And so I was like, I made a dessert, so I'm going to go run in the kitchen and get it. So while I was in the kitchen, the staff handed out all these pocket confetti guns oh, and I didn't know about fun. it. So when I came back in and they sang happy birthday to me, all these pocket oh, confetti, I was like, where yeah, are these coming from? I'm like, these are so cool. And, um... Chris Stevens, he's our facilities <laughs> manager, and he just hung his head, he and disappointed. Yes, every every cannon
0: that I think I filmed it I every said, every yes, cannon that went off, he was like, oh, uh, "Oh, Chris, are
1: you not participating in this?" And he's like, "No, ma'am." <laughs> that was the first thing he said to me when I came in today.
0: <laughs> yes, Happy, every,
1: you were responsible for the confetti. Cans. <laughs> well, these
0: little confetti can What happened? You twist them, and they filled up with a gas or air. Yes, and then you then you popped and then them you in pop your hands. Them. They were kind of a, a cool design. Well,
1: I found two that hadn't been used, and so I grabbed them, because I was like, I need these. I need these. I did
0: not let her fire those off in the house. She started to activate one. I said, no. Nice. No. This is not going off in our house. You should have seen Meeting Room 2 after this party, after all these I cannons will went say, off. I say,
1: someone had, like, some crazy skills. Cause when I went back in there later that day, there was no evidence. Sarah of, Snow and Aaron. Okay. <laughs> there was no evidence of confetti anywhere. Well, apparently I had a trail of confetti. Someone saw found some wherever I walked <laughs> in uh, the rest of the building. But yeah. So thank you for the confetti. You're welcome. So Kirsten,
0: I met you when you were 19 years old and you came to Ozark Christian college and then we weren't really hanging out yet when you in in that first October when you turned. We
1: were hanging out.
0: Well, we weren't like nice friends. Try. No, no, no. As I remember it, you had turned twenty that first year at Ozark because you came at nineteen. I figured this out the other day. You came to Ozark at nineteen, and then you had that first birthday. A year later, we started dating. So for your twenty-first birthday, no. Am I not remembering that correctly?
1: We got married when I was 22. So that would have been my 18th or 19th birthday that we were hanging out. Because then we were engaged. Yeah, either way. But you you gave me a wrapped gift.
0: I remember. But I don't think we were really dating yet. We were just kind of buddies.
1: Yeah, that's true. We hadn't gone to CGI Jane yet. (laughs) (laughs) No, actually we just had. Because we had seen that in September. But we
0: weren't like a thing
1: i know you were really hung up on titles and you still are
0: <laughs> so what did, what did i give you what did i give you on still our, a little
1: worried the, that the guys might throw him in the creek at the at ozark no,
0: do you remember <laughs> you remember the very first uh gift i gave you ever yeah
1: it was a jars of clay album that's yes right. we we talked about this because oh, really? he wrapped it yes
0: that's right there you go good memory and here we are um all i said on I facebook i was really
1: impressed That you wrapped, first of all, that you went and bought a gift and wrapped it. It might have been the first and only and the last time. And I'm confident
0: I spent my last dollar on it.
1: That you've wrapped a gift for me.
0: Oh, come on. (laughs) I'm not the best gift giver.
1: No, it's not your strong suit. Oh,
0: (laughs) okay. Future podcast. That
1: was kind. That wasn't that kind? That was not harsh. Wasn't it a little gentle? Well, Kirsten, you are the world's best gift giver, this so everyone pales in comparison. I don't think so. I find I find my weakness, and I'm like, oh, I didn't do that good enough. But no, that was really sweet. I do remember that. That was good job on that.
0: And we've had many birthdays since, and I've loved every one of them.
1: Me too. <laughs>
0: A question that I get asked fairly regularly is, how did you become a minister? I mean, did you just wake up one day and just decide you're going to be a minister and go find a church? Or how was that? I mean, what did, how did you even get from, how did you get here? It's a question that in some way, shape, or form I get asked quite often. And, and uh, I'll just tell everybody, I, I became a minister, I kind of went the traditional route. I went to Bible college and I received formal training in the ministry and then um, I got ordained into the ministry and then I started preaching in churches and that was kind of my, my, my route there. And I got my training in two different places. I went to, I did my undergraduate at Ozark Christian college in Joplin, Missouri, and then I got a master's degree from Lincoln Christian seminary, which is in Lincoln, Illinois. And, and I'll tell you, I can't talk good enough or, or more greatly about just how wonderful those two experiences have been. And I don't think a lot of people are very familiar with Bible college. You know, they they see ministers up in these pulpits and they're preaching. There's all kinds of stuff. But I don't think they really think a whole lot about what kind of training that they have and and all of that stuff. But that that's how I became a minister. I I went through I would call more of a traditional route. Bible college, ordination, seminary, and then into the ministry. And I've had lots of different ministries. We've talked about a lot of those here on the podcast. In fact, Kirsten, I met you at Ozark Christian College, and -hmm. we've talked about that before. Yeah. And so my route to Bible College, which, you know, not to rehash a previous episode, you guys can go back and watch that, but, you know, my dad really wanted me to go to Bible College. I had no interest in ministry whatsoever. But once I I got there, I, I committed to go to one year. I said, I'll go to Bible College one year, and a lot of my friends were going there anyway. So it wasn't like... I would felt like I was wasting my time or so. I loved it. I loved every a lot second of, students
1: of it. students go for just a year or two just to kind of get a biblical yeah. base. Um, we, I actually went to a private high school, so I felt like I had gotten a lot of that in high school as well. But a lot of students go from a public school and then go into Bible college just to get some of those basic classes down and an understanding on a collegiate level and uh, and take away from that and not necessarily go into full-time ministry. They might go serve in their church, but a lot of people do go for Absolutely. a lot more than that and get a full... There there are plenty
0: of folks that go through Bible college; they never wind up in ministry at all, Mm -hmm. which is still a great path. You know, Mm -hmm. they end up with a degree, and you know Ozark's mission is training men and women for Christian service. Mm -hmm. You know, Christian service takes on a lot of different forms. It doesn't always lead you to a pulpit. It doesn't always lead you to a student ministry or other ministries, or even on the mission field. A lot of a lot of people go through Ozarkton and end up in the mission field as well. You crack
1: me up when you say pulpit,
0: the pulpit.
1: Well, it's just a very.
0: It's a formal word, it's a very formal but I think it's a word a lot I've of people heard you understand
1: say a lot lately.
0: <laughs> well, like, we did last week. When we talked about yeah, did you take pulpit. your notes to the pulpit? The pulpit. Oh well. And
1: I'm always like, I wonder, wonder who someone who didn't grow up in the church thinks when you're like, <laughs> and then I walked to the pulpit. <laughs> <laughs> ah, ah, then I began my first job in the pulpit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm a man of the cloth. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but you know
0: the 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 training that I got, and you know i uh, I look back at my days at Ozark, and even though I know nev- I didn't start my time at Ozark because I wanted to go into ministry, but that's where God really got a hold of my heart. I
1: think a lot of people go and then have a calling on their life; they don't realize that They already have that tug to maybe go to Bible college or to seek out more information to learn, and then then God continues to go, okay, now that I have you here,
0: I'm calling you to something. That's right. I, I can tell you, it wasn't until after my freshman year at Ozark, and I was, I was, you know, I've told this story before, but I was heading somewhere else. I was changing schools. But it was in that summer before my sophomore year at Ozark, God called me into ministry. Mm -hmm. It was a very specific call. It was an undeniable call. No, I did not hear God's voice. The clouds did not open up. He says, Joe, go back to Bible college. It wasn't that. But it was just such a clear God had kind of been working on me that summer. But there was a moment. I, I remember the day like it was yesterday. There was a moment that I knew I was called back as called back to those are called into ministry. And, and I made the decision right there. I've never looked back.
1: And we've shared that in one of our right. previous podcasts. We'll try and put that in the show notes so you can link back if you haven't heard that episode. So you can hear that full story.
0: But, but going as a freshman to Ozark Christian college, I remember moving into the dorms and um, <laughs> I'll never forget the first day. So I'm sitting in my room and, and, uh, uh, nervous i'll be honest nervous and here i'm 18 years old just left home for the first time and and i'm looking up into the ceiling and i noticed that my room had a ceiling fan and not every room had a ceiling wow, fan so right? back then now this is all different now um every room has air conditioned now but back then
1: our kids would be like you went to college in the 1900s <laughs>
0: I know. Back in the dark 1900s, ages,
1: did they have fans in the room?
0: Could you see in full color back then? <laughs> um, you know, but but the Ozo, the dorms were not air conditioned, so I remember going to the room going unless you had an allergy. This is, yeah, Kirsten looked, from the doctor. Yeah, who had that? Oh yeah, Kirsten did. I um,
1: definitely had allergies <laughs> from about nineteen ninety. to about 1999. (laughs) And it's it's fascinating
0: how they went away after that. Um, No, but we... But I remember going, "Oh man, the the room already has a fan. This is fantastic." Because the rule was, if you wanted a ceiling fan, you could have it, but you had to pay for it, and then the facilities team at the school to had to install it. it, and it wasn't like a quick process. And and you know, I hadn't really figured any of that stuff out. So I remember sitting there going, "Oh, this is awesome. My room already has a fan. The previous tenant must have left it. This oh, is fantastic. I
1: know what's coming." <laughs>
0: And then, so I'm already feeling a bit nervous. And then I had a, There was a knock at the door, and there's a guy standing there. And he
1: wants his fan back. And I, I,
0: I I'll be honest with you. I, we did not. He's a great guy. I'm not knocking him, but we did not get off on the best foot. He not a hello, not welcome to Ozark, not man, glad to have you, nothing. He walks in, introduced himself. He goes, "That's my fan. Don't get comfortable with it. It's going away." And he walked out. And I was like. Okay. <laughs> and so yeah, <laughs> later that day a facilities guy came in, took it down and put a little cheap light fixture oh, up. Oh my god. And goodness. so in the course of a couple hours I went from this is awesome, I got a fan to stink, nothing.
1: So did That you was my get first a day at Ozark.
0: Oh, eventually, yeah. Eventually we got one.
1: Like a clip-on or something. But let something? me just say
0: this. I I did not get under the covers of my bed for the first 6 weeks of school. It was so hot in the dorms. Well, I, I just slept how on top humid, of the covers. How
1: west missouri is and yeah. and still is and it's very humid compared to where i came from it was very humid right but it was a total
0: total change of pace for me i mean classes started at 7 a.m yep. and i remember that first year i took a full year of the book of acts and i don't know if you guys have ever thought about that but uh, a full year yeah kirsten and i both did a full we, year yeah. Yeah, sorry, Goose. We, <laughs> um, a full year in the book of Acts. And then- Who a f- did
1: you have for for your Acts um, professor? Because I remember my Acts professor was Drew Ashwell. And I believe he was a first year professor. I, actually, I know he was, because he was way too happy to be up at 7 a.m. Would it surprise you to find him?
0: out I had lunch with Drew Ashwell today?
1: Did you really? Yeah, he
0: says hi, by the way. Aww. Yep, he sure did. Yeah,
1: awesome. Yep, he was my axe professor, and he was the most intense, excited, enthusiastic. (laughs) At six fifty nine in the morning, when you're walking into class, you should be a zombie, but he was not.
0: You know, I told him that today.
1: (laughs) Did you? I said,
0: Drew. You know, you're one of my wife's favorite professors, (laughs) and I said, like,
1: I walk in late, like pretty much every day, because. I mean that's hard to get up and get to class by 659 658 and I'd walk in 7 703 whatever and he always would smile and beam and give me a big thumbs up glad you're here sister
0: Well that's true that's a good impersonation of him, but I told him the story I reminded him today I didn't know he was I didn't know he was going to be in this lunch circle today so I was really happy to see him but he um uh, but I said, you know, my wife tells a story about you all the time. She's like, I had this professor and, and I used to think that he would like, his alarm would go off at five in the morning and he'd jump out of bed going, I couldn't wait for 5am to get here. Finally. (laughs) I told him that I told him that today he laughed. He thought that was funny. Um, But anyway, so uh, we took a year of ax class. We also took a a year of old Testament history. And then there were some other classes depending on your schedule. But I remember taking, I had, I had a a creation science class Mm. and, and I had a few other classes, but I remember that first year here. Here's my one regret my my first year at ozark I was not focused. I was not planning to be there I did not study that hard and some of those First classes, Old Testament history one and two, Acts one and two, creation science. Some of those classes that I found myself in, I did not get out of them as much as I could have. Now, if I was to retake those classes today, right. man, I would be all over that. I think I would still love to you maybe could teach those classes now. Probably. But I, I uh but well yeah, I know I could, but it's <laughs> that's not I know that. But but I mean back then, that's one of my regrets. That first year I wasn't focused. And so but I remember even at the time having some of these thoughts like, man, I, I never saw that, never knew that, never this or that, mm-hmm. and how much we were immersed in the Word of God. And then after I got focused on what God called me to do is go into ministry, then everything got more real. Mm-hmm. And and I can tell you that that um, I don't remember what semester I took these classes in, but the classes that absolutely changed my life. Now, now put the preaching classes aside, once I started taking preaching courses, I knew that the, the course of my life was going to change completely because because mm-hmm. um, that that's a tool. But set those aside. But there was two classes that I took. One was called um, Principles of Interp. And another one was called issues with interp or issues of interp. These were were classes that fell under interp the heading
1: standing for interpretation.
0: Correct. And but these are classes that fell under the heading of hermeneutics, mm-hmm. and um, hermeneutics is all about the interpretation of scripture. Those two classes absolutely changed my life, mm. and and I can and and I can tell you that that some of the most pivotal pivotal moments of my time at Ozark was some classes just like that. Because before those classes, I never realized how flippantly I used to read the Bible. I would read a chapter of the Bible and it would just be like, yeah, yeah, ho-hum. But I never really thought about interpreting Scripture. I never really understood what that was about or even that was a thing. You just read it for face value. I never understood that there are deeper layers deeper meaning contextualization this whole concept of the author's intended meeting who was he who was the author their original audience how would they have heard it culturally what was going on all of these things i was just things i never even considered and once i got directed down this course of understanding of scripture going it opened up the bible to me in a way that i didn't even know was possible Mm -hmm. everything changed for me the the love for the word of god changed after that that's where for me that's where i what i would say fell in love with god's word and how and what it produces in somebody's life and it's where i really started to to understand the gravity of god's word and what it means and actually what we have in our hands today where it came from, how you read it. So I would say those two classes right there shaped me as about, about as much as anything at Ozark. The, after those two classes, everything else made a whole lot more sense after that. So when I think about my time at Ozark, the, the, the course study, the, the, the things that I've learned, the, the just the different, and there's all kinds of different, course studies, you, you know, the book of oh, Hebrews, yeah. um, you know, acts, you, you study books of the Bible, you study sections for of the Bible semester. Yes, you really get into it. I mean, you're you're. it's I think Ozark does a fantastic job of training men and women for Christian ministry, I think to do I, In fact, if you were to ask me, hey, I'm considering going to Bible college where would you recommend that I go? Well, obviously I'm gonna recommend Ozark, that's what I know, but but comparing comparing that to other schools, there is no I mean, in my mind, there is no comparison. Well,
1: and there's fewer and fewer options.
0: There there are, you know, and 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 you have to but you want to talk about a true Bible college that's gonna to stick to God's word, and 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 what I think is gonna have a proper understanding of scripture, interpret it well, handles the text well, training men and women for ministry, preaching, missionary, student ministry, worship pastors. I don't think there's a finer school in the country than Ozark Christian College. But those four years, so how did I I become a minister? How did I get to where I am today? It started at that four years that I spent at Ozark Christian College. That right there had the most shaping effect on my life. Everything from that point forward was fairly targeted and focused. Not only that, I built a ton of friends and networks there that are still – to this day, like we just mentioned, Drew Ashwell, well, a, a professor back then, and now I'm sitting around a, a different table with him talking about different things. Right. And um, but that, stuff. but yeah, all ministry, but that network is still there. Those people, those relationships, are still there.
1: I was telling someone the other day that we went to Bible college, and the downside of it is all of us are busy on the weekends, and we never get a chance to see each other because our kids are in school during the week and then our weekends we're working in a church more than likely and so there are it's it's a special time when you get to reconnect with your friends and that's what makes those conferences and stuff like that that you go to really special because you're reconnecting with all your friends who a lot of them not all of them a lot of them are in full-time ministry that's right
0: i think the best training ground i had was growing up in dick williams home oh yeah yeah. my father minister for 50 something years and Growing up, watching him do what it is. But what's interesting is even growing up that way, I had no desire to do what he was doing. And it's funny to me today, I'm doing the very thing that he was doing. Yeah. He never pressured me into it. He never sugarcoated anything either. But growing up in that home, the only, the influencer, he just really strongly encouraged me. I want you to spend one year at Bible college. That's it. That'll make me happy. And and um, but it was the Lord got a hold of my heart after that four years at Bible college. And then right after that, so let me, let me say this. I was preaching my junior and senior year. I was pretty much preaching every weekend after that. I remember you used to go with me to those on my student ministry days. I was
1: not a morning person.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So when Kier's and I started dating, so like Sunday morning would roll around and I'd said, Hey, you want to go to my, I had a ministry about two hours away, so I had to get super early on Sunday mornings, and I would drive over there and spend the the morning preaching and, and then teaching Sunday school. Then we would go leading out.
1: leading worship.
0: Leading worship. We'd go and out sometimes to- sometimes doing the Bolton. Go to- <laughs> We did it all. Then go <laughs> to lunch together. So she would go up there with me sometimes. So I remember the first time, we were still fairly early in our dating, and I'm like, hey, do you want to go with me? And I think I had to pick you up about six, five 30 or six in the morning. Yeah. So I was living off campus. You were still living in the dorm. So I drove onto campus and, um, and I was going to meet you like at five 45 or six. And I pulled up to the dorm and, and you walked out. <laughs> and of course I'm looking at this very beautiful woman, walk out to my car <laughs> and, <laughs> and you are glaring back at me <laughs> as if I had just, Committed a heinous crime, and you walk out. You've got this look of, no one talked to me, so I'm like, dude, she looks angry, but man, she's good looking, <laughs> and I she's going with me today. And you came, you sit down in my car, and I'm like, hey, good morning, and you're like, hmm. <laughs> And I think the first hour of that drive, you didn't say a word to me. Probably. And then finally after, I don't know if you got a coffee in your, but then by the time we got to Kansas, where we were going, you're like, so and this, and this is what happened yesterday. And you were kind of your normal self. But I, I that's when I learned you were not a morning person back then, but it got better. I mean, you're much more of a morning person now, but, I am. but, but I remember those, I'm
1: old <laughs> to just talk about this. <laughs> so
0: I'm going through my training, but at the same time, I'm also preaching every weekend. And a lot of these little churches around Ozark, they kind of look at themselves as training grounds for young ministers They're
1: Well, they, they grab hold of those opportunities because they don't have a full-time pastor. That's
0: right. So these they, are churches that maybe have 30, 40, 50 people and they can't afford a full-time pastor, yeah. but They're like they depend on the school to send them preachers,
1: students that are learning.
0: That's right. So I I was very blessed. I got in a really good student ministry that that was uh, very more functioned as a full church. I mean, it was great. It grew. It was a great experience. And I think I think when I started there, the church was running about twenty. And I think when I left two years later, we were running about eighty. And so that whole experience. In fact, they'd got to the point they invited me to become their full time preacher upon graduation
1: I remember the last time we were there before like before we moved and you had graduated and it was they were sad to see you go because you'd been there a long time
0: yeah God had my my life was charting a different course by that point but but that was a great two years I loved every second of it and the great people that church um but uh after graduation I went back to my home church or right before graduation because I wanted to be ordained into the ministry. So a lot of people are like, what is ordination? What is that? Because a lot of times, like even with legal, some legal documents and when it comes to weddings and and even how you do, even coming down to your taxes at the end of the year, they want to know your ordination status. Well, an ordination is really, a, it's like a sending church that separates you. Like like if you're ordained, like if you're going to be ordained in a ministry, it's a, a body of leaders that basically ordain you and say, we are separating you for the calling of full-time Christian ministry. And so I, um, my home church in Tulsa, I reached out to their elders and um, and I said, "Guys, I would like for you to ordain me into ministry," and that involved an evaluation process, not super formal, but I remember meeting with the elders. And of course, some of these guys have known me since before I went to Bible college, and and because uh, my dad had been the minister of the church, he by this point he had already retired, yeah. And so um, they spent some time evaluating me, asked me a bunch of questions, trying to evaluate my call to ministry. They became convinced pretty cl- pretty quickly that that I was called into ministry. And so they picked a Sunday morning where they had me come back to Tulsa and um, and they officially ordained me, and so they brought me up in front of the whole church, and then I got down on my knees, and all the elders got around me, laid hands on me, and they prayed over me, and and this has you know allusions back to scripture where they would lay hands and stuff, and 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 that was the official ordination service, and then I spoke to the church for about ten minutes, and then that was it. I was ordained, and I got this nice certificate that I still have. I was there. Yeah, yeah,
1: you were there. That's and right. I was just the girlfriend still.
0: <laughs> it's right. Just the girlfriend. Just the girlfriend. And uh so I did my four years of training, received my degree from Ozark Christian College, was ordained into the ministry by my my home church. Mm-hmm. And then after that I, I entered into full time Christian ministry. My very first full-time Christian ministry was out in Portland, Oregon. And, um, um, there was a, a minister that, uh, from the, in the Missouri area that I really wanted to train with and learn and shadow. His name is Kent Williams. And, um, and right before graduation, he moved to Portland, Oregon. He took a church and I remember going, Oh man, Well, there goes that idea. And I don't know who told me, like maybe you, Kirsten, or maybe my dad or somebody's like. It was probably me. It was probably you.
1: (laughs) I don't know. But it was like,
0: well, just because Kent moved to Oregon doesn't mean that you still can't go out there and shadow him and learn. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah, I guess that's true. So I called Kent.
1: Well, and the craziness is that's a church that you also grew, grew up in.
0: I grew up. I spent six. Your
1: dad had been the pastor of that. It church It was just as well. a it weird, was just a very cool coincidence.
0: Very strange coincidence. Kent went, and the church, the one of the churches that I grew up in, from fourth grade through my ninth grade year, was out there in Oregon. That just happened to be the very church I grew up in. So there was a family connection there. But I called Kent up and I said, and we didn't know each other, but I introduced myself to him on the phone, and I just said, you know, I was about to ask you if I could come intern with you here in missouri upon graduation and then you moved away and i just kind of dropped the idea but i kind of got ambitious here and i thought i'd call you and ask you and he thought about it for a minute and he goes come on we'll figure it out you know it was it was that very welcoming yeah let's do it we'll figure out where you're going to live i wasn't of course i wasn't married and and we'll figure out where you're going to live, and and come on up, and and we just start working on the details, and and then um, of course Kirsten and I had some things we had to figure out with our relationship because you weren't done with school yet. I was and, still
1: at Ozark and working for Ozark.
0: That's right. So um, that all worked out really good, but uh, but you know I I ended up in Oregon for almost a year out of Bible college. That was my first stab into ministry. And the benefit ended up doing a lot of college ministry. Kirsten, even though we weren't married or even engaged, she came out to Oregon with me. And well, so eventually eventually, you, you had obligations out the summer, yeah. but then we found you a room to rent there in Oregon. It was I dragged
1: a, my sister with your me. sister
0: came with you. So I was living in housing that the church provided and you had rented a place up there. You and your sister had rented a, a place. Florida. Yep, her name was Narda. Though we got lots of Narda stories, but not for today. But then you you jumped in and we got engaged. We did very
1: college g- ministry. Yeah, we got engaged, engaged from very a quickly. Month after we were there. I
0: remember like your girlfriends were saying, "You're moving to Oregon, and he has not even put a ring on your finger. Are you crazy?" That
1: sounds like Lori. You were doing your Lori there. Yeah, my good friend Lori was like, "Girl." What are you thinking? Anyway, but no, we got engaged about a, a month after that. Yeah, in September, then we did a college ministry together for. A long while up there.
0: Kent let me preach a few times at the church, and I just shadowed him. I remember once a week we'd get together, and he goes, I'm going to drop a question on you. You think about it for a week, and we'll come back and discuss. That's and cool. um, we did that for a while, and it was, it was, I got to help the church do. They were in a remodel process, so I got to help them do some of that and learn. And then um, after that, I had pretty much decided I wanted to go to seminary. So after being out of Bible college for a year, um, I took a church in Illinois. Which was about an hour away from Lincoln, which is where I going to go to seminary, and then that's when I started. That was my very first full time preaching ministry, a little church in in Fisher, Illinois. And
1: oh, the stories we that, can share. That's that we ten do pod. Not that is
0: ten podcast for today. So that's kind of how it, when people ask me how how did you become a minister? What was your trajectory how did how do you just wake up one day and decide to do that no there's a lot of ways in the ministry but i i chose the traditional bible college route i went to bible college as more like because to please my dad loved every second of it was about to leave bible college after my first year god called me into ministry went back for the remaining three years ended up preaching at a church for the final two years and then um graduated got ordained by my home church ended up in Oregon as an intern at a church with Kent Williams and then after that year I started seminary and I started preaching full time at a church in Illinois and that's and it's just been
1: What a great recap.
0: Was that a great recap?
1: <laughs> but for somebody like me who is hasn't grown up in Bible college and stuff what what was your degree in in Bible college and why why was there a need for seminary what does seminary that's like mass your master's mm-hmm.
0: degree yeah so in, at ozark i got a bachelor of biblical literature okay which is a four-year program ozark offers several degrees and this has shifted and adjusted a little bit over the years i'm not sure i could tell you exactly what all their degrees are because their accreditation has changed and they're offering more but they're all going to be they're like around the church and bible but mine was a bbl it's a bachelor of biblical literature and I took about every preaching class that I could get my hands on because by my junior year, I was very focused and wanted to be a preacher. So I never took my first preaching class till I was a junior. Back then, they started to get the guys in the preaching classes their sophomore years. And and I remember at the time, I put off the preaching track because um, I was holding out for a specific professor. There was a professor there that was a preaching professor that I thought, I want to train under him. I want my first homiletics, homiletics is the fancy word for preaching. Who? It was J.K. Jones. Oh. Okay. And um, J.K. Jones, I just connected with him and and I thought, I want to train for him. But the way the schedule worked out, and I can't remember now, but my sophomore year, my second semester, his class was full and I couldn't get into it. So I could have, I could have taken a few others, but I thought, eh, I'll hold out to my junior year because I can get all of that in. J.K. Jones ended up leaving Ozark for Lincoln Christian College, oh, and I remember going, "Oh man!" and and I thought, "Well, fine, I'll take Doctor Mark Scott's class. I'll take Mark Scott's class." <laughs> and I remember thinking that that's as a young hilarious. guy, I was like, "Fine, I'll just go with Mark Scott." <laughs> oh,
1: Mark Scott, I hope and he listens.
0: The to reason the, the reason we're laughing at it is. Mark Scott's one of the greatest preachers on the planet and, and the opportunity to train under him. And I laugh at it now, but my, my initial response was, well, JK left. So I guess I'll just go with Mark. And <laughs> what, so but funny. I'm telling you right now, it couldn't have worked out any better. Cause, cause Mark Scott is like the greatest, one of the greatest preachers you're going to listen to. And he's an incredible teacher. And an and incredible bi, uh, homiletics professor. Mm-hmm. I learned so much under him. I'm so glad it worked out that way. And then, in fact, I've had a number of professors through Bible college and seminary all in preaching. I've loved every one of them. And they've all poured into my life. And, and every one of them has, has a part of who I am today mm-hmm. in there. But Mark was amazing. And I'm so thankful that, I, that he was my homiletics professor. A
1: lot of students will also do like a co-op so you could go to Bible college and get your Bible college um classes and then if you wanted to become a teacher um, co-op with another school nearby to get your yeah teaching like Missouri degree.
0: Southern was a big because one. Because
1: that's not a teaching degree is or not Pitt necessarily State. A, a class or a, a an Avenue that they offer at Ozark because it is a true Bible college. So, and we've had a nephew who who did that. There
0: you were know, quite a few people that co-opt with yeah. another school. You can, yeah. you can, you can double up your degrees and, and come out with both. But, but anyway, um, to answer your question, it's a bachelor of biblical literature and a lot of guys from my era came out with a, a BBL. And then in, in seminary, I went to seminary because I felt like there was more to learn and I was getting even more focused. And I'd kind of had some of those urges back at Ozark to, I want to pursue that. And if I'm going to pursue a more advanced degree, I better do that before I start having children and all that stuff. So, so, um, by the time I left Ozark, I knew that was my future. I just didn't know when. And then after I was out in Oregon that time, I thought Soon soon is when that's going to happen and i looked at a lot of different seminaries it came down to a couple that i was really focused in on but but quite honestly i was one summer i was working a camp and uh and um i met a bunch of guys that were graduates of lincoln christian seminary and that was kind of it after i spent a few days with those guys my my decision was final i'm, I'm gonna go to Lincoln because. I, I just gelled with these guys. They were good representatives of the seminary. They talked me into it. And there was, like I said, there was a small handful that I was considering at the time. But um, but I, after that week of camp, that summer, I was like, yeah, I'm going to Lincoln. And, um,
1: but you didn't end up actually starting your first classes until about, I want to say, the beginning of 20, or yeah, 2000. Somewhere in there. We got married in 99, yeah. and I think you were going to start in the fall of 99. I put it, it off an up. extra semester. Yeah. The
0: church that I started working with in Fisher just, like I said, that could be another podcast. <laughs> we could we tell all kinds. Of, but I ended up putting off going to school for another semester because of everything that was going on at the church. And uh, that created some problems down the road. Was trying to get graduation done in a timely manner because not every class say that again. Not every class was offered every semester, so um, it creates that 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 delay of one semester kind of messed up some things. But it worked out.
1: It worked out, and you graduated a couple years later with your master's. Yep. my
0: my degree from Lincoln is called a Master of Arts in Ministry with an emphasis in preaching. So I took every preaching class I could do, and that was really my focus. And where at the time. Um, Lincoln focused more on leadership development, where Ozark was Bible, traditional Bible college training. Lincoln at the time focused because uh, this has changed. Ozark's more on works a lot on leadership now too, but but at the time they were working on try to help you be a great leader. Ozark has had to be a great Bible college student and learn the Bible and the basics and the basic training for ministry. Lincoln was a little bit more focused than my experience anyway. And so, but that was a day I didn't live on campus. I would commute in a couple of days and, and I could fill up another podcast with what it was like to commute, but it was a master of arts in ministry with emphasis in preaching. And at the time I just, it was just something I really wanted to do because I felt like there was more to learn. So I guess all in all I spent, uh, Four years at Bible college and two and a half years at seminary. So that combined is the nucleus of my training. But, but, um, but yeah, I, I loved every second of it. I c- I could not highly recommend enough Ozark Christian College, especially. And even if you even if you're not sure about the course of your life is going to go, there's not one second that you're going to waste. Um, investing in something like that but but that's how i got to where i am and then every ministry after that it's just really the lord's leading at that point um and so it's another story i ended up in Vista, arkansas but but that's what i tell people when i how do i get into ministry um i guess there's another question you could ask like do you have to go to bible college to be in ministry you know and i guess the answer to that question is no
1: Definitely
0: not. Some some of our denominations have educational requirements. Like I believe if you're wanting to be a minister in the Methodist church, I think you have to have the – I think you have to have a – a Bible college degree and a seminary degree. I think you have to have eight full years of education. I could be wrong on that, but well, it's pretty strenuous. A
1: lot of people have heard of the master of divinity. Yes. And I think you have to have that. You have to have an MDiv for a lot of different denominations. And I believe you have to have an MDiv in order to be a chaplain in the military. Yes, And so a lot of people will go instead of doing a master of, uh, uh, what was your master Master of Arts in, Emphasis in Ministry Reaching? Um, I think it's like one more year to get your MDiv, and so they're like, I might as well go ahead and just get that while I'm well, already doing this. I'm
0: going off my memory here, but I think the Master of Divinity is a 90 hour program, so that mm-hmm. would take you three or four years to get yeah. for sure. But but you know, a lot of guys go to seminary and they they did not go to Bible College. So seminary also has in mind people like, like you could go to the university of Arkansas and get your undergraduate degree in whatever. But then if somebody chose ministry or they wanted, they're not going to, a lot of times they're not going to go back and get another bachelor's degree. So they might choose a master's program in a seminary. So I went to school with quite a few. I went to, when I was at seminary, a number of the guys were from traditional Bible colleges but a lot of them were from a little bit older, too. You know, um, I was one of, I, at my age, see, when I went to seminary, I was probably 24, 25. A lot of the guys were younger. I think the average age of the seminary student was 35 when I was there. And a lot of them had worked different careers and then made a call, had a call to ministry and went to seminary. So some of it was a little bit of overlap between Bible college and seminary. I experienced some of that. But um, but anyway, seminary, uh depending on the denomination you have to have certain levels of degrees Mm. but a lot of churches don't have any educational requirement at all in fact there's absolutely nothing stopping a guy from saying i feel called into ministry and i'm gonna go start a church you know it's kind of a free country you can do that kind of well i mean well for a while it still is for a while Um, double checking but we live in a free country and there's nothing stopping anybody And that, that happens a lot they're like like, somebody would say, I'm feeling the call to preach and they rally up some people and find some support and they go and launch a church and that, that guy would not have any formal training, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he won't be an effective pastor.
1: And there's churches that have training within the church Mm -hmm. and they've started, I guess what you would call maybe like a little miniature Bible college within the church and they develop leaders and future pastors or future ministers future missionaries, um, within those programs. That's right. And so there's all kinds of different opportunities out there that are not necessarily a traditional Bible college.
0: Yeah. There's, there's a lot of paths to this. Um, but in my, in my mind, I think the best path is to invest the time and some training at an Ozark Christian College or someplace like that. And I know this I never intended for this podcast to sound like a commercial for Ozark. And no, just well, a disclaimer, no one's asking me to do this. And I and
1: they also have online classes.
0: They do. Um <laughs> but like I've had friends over the years who have said to me, I-, I feel called into ministry and I'm ready to go preach somewhere. And I've always encouraged every one of them take the next couple of years. I know it feels like a forever but go back and invest in some time with Bible college because A, your training's gonna be good. You're you're gonna discover a lot of things. You're gonna network immensely. And the reality is most churches like New Life are not gonna consider a guy who has not been Bible college trained. Like I know that was a requirement when they were looking for a minister nine years ago talking to me. They they were not even gonna consider a non-Bible college trained guy to be their pastor. And most churches, I would say, and I, I would say this is changing quite a bit. But even right now, if you're looking to be a lead pastor, th- that that church is not. You your resume won't even be considered if you don't have a Bible college degree. And so that's in still most situations. I, I would say that's still true. Yeah. Um. Every church is different. You know, in our brotherhood of churches, they're all independent. You know, they they're free to do what they want to do, and uh, but I know that. Um, the majority of them are looking like, where did you go to school? Where's your training? Because that actually, it it matters greatly. Um, uh, They wanna, if you have on your resume, I got a four year degree from Ozark Christian College that signals something to the leaders of the church. Okay, we know what kind of training they got, and this is the kind of graduate we're looking for. Mm -hmm. It's more complicated than that. But um, anyway, I would just say that anybody who happens to be listening to this and they're, you know, they feel like they're being called into ministry, then I would say do not neglect the training for it. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason why you can't train for ministry and be in ministry at the same time. I preached for two years while I was training to be a preacher. Um, and there's a plethora of churches to get involved with. It's not one or the other. It's both and at the same time. And there's lots of different ways to it. So anyway, that's, the, that's how I answer the question. I usually don't take this long to explain all that to people when they ask me, but but, uh, I have no regrets. we we'll putting the, you
1: on the spot before we leave. Yeah, what was your favorite memory between Bible college and seminary? What was your favorite? Like definitely this.
0: You, in the in between?
1: No, just between those six seven years. Oh oh, what was your favorite memory?
0: Oh man. I don't know if I can nail it down to a favorite memory
1: or it could be silly (laughs) because I know there's been a lot of dumb stuff that happened in the dorms too. (laughs)
0: Um, I met and fell in love with you in Bible college. That's a great memory. Um, but you know, just incident, you know, this is going to sound strange. Okay. (laughs) This at at the time, this was not a favorite story
1: time with Joe. But when
0: I, when I look back on it, I have great fondness of this memory. So, the Ozark every year does an event called the living Christmas tree. (laughs) Do you know a story I'm going to tell? I think so. Okay. And so, and they jam the house out. Okay. They jam the house out. Um, back then, back then, um, you know, most modern auditoriums now, everything's controlled with computers, lights, sound, everything. But I think back then it wasn't quite as technologically advanced as it is it today.
1: getting there, but not quite yet.
0: And I say all that to set this up. <laughs> you could still turn on and off all the lights on light switches on the walls, okay? So at the back of the room, there was probably a bank of 10 light switches, okay? And so... um, so I had friends that were in the living Christmas tree and they had drama. It was a huge production.
1: They sold tickets for oh, yeah. over a three or four day, be- yeah, day and, and The living
0: Christmas tree would go for like two weeks and they would pack yeah. the house out for, for weeks on end and people would come in from all over. It's a very big deal. So I wanted to kind of see my friends in the living Christmas tree and I got there late and I remember I had this big leather jacket at the time <laughs>
1: He <laughs> I mean, knows what's about to happen.
0: It was thick. It was the middle of winter. <laughs> okay. I thought I was Tom Cruise back then. I had my big fighter bomber jacket on. I'm walking in, and my
1: friend Dave was in the living Christmas Day, tree.
0: Yes, they, that year the performance they did was called "The Innkeeper's Dream," and and I remember that because my friend Dave played the innkeeper, and the whole the whole living <laughs> Christmas tree was based off of the perspective of the innkeeper of the innkeeper. You know, yeah. there is no room from the inn, and so the whole thing. So my friend Dave is, is the innkeeper, and so. Um, in between sets like so there was this drama production and then as i remember correctly um when the lights went down the the people in the production had to just be still and the tree would light up, and the tree was filled with people. So this tree was like a big riser.
1: I was in the living room,
0: and story. and I'll have to find some old pictures and maybe put them in the show notes. But people would go from floor to ceiling, and it would build this big, huge tree, and it would fill up with the choir. And so while they were singing, all the actors had to just be still in the darkness. So I walk in, and the and and Dave is up there, and this is a scene where he had to put his head down on his desk, kind of just to wait and he's his head's there and he said he goes I saw you walk into the back of the room <laughs> <And laughs> I've told this story in years and 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 there was not a seat in the house there was nowhere to sit so i said to myself that's fine i'll just i'll just stand here in the back of the room i can see i'll
1: just lean up against the and so this part
0: and the wall. so i folded my arms <laughs> okay. and i leaned back against the wall i did not know I leaned up against the wall of light switches. And so it's completely dark in the room. All the house lights are off. For now. <laughs> yeah. And so And this chapel, now back then, I don't recall now what it is today, but back then they had those big candelabras that used to hang down in churches. A very so the, traditional the, the, chapel. The chapel holds yeah. like a thousand people, 1200 people. And you have these big hanging lights that you see in churches back in the day. And, and, and they were loaded full of light bulbs and, and they illuminated the whole room. And these bank of light switches is what operated the house lights. All of them are off, but all the stage lights are pointed at the tree. And I lean back against the wall and all of a sudden, one of the big lights, they're all individually controlled. So one switch for every light. Okay. <laughs> every house light. And so right in the middle of this boom, one of these lights come on and I'm like, who's the moron that turned on the lights? <laughs> I (laughs) I literally had that thought. And Dave did. And and and, and Dave's laying there with his head down and he looks and he can see that I'm leaning his light switches and he there's nothing you do about it. And he's he told me later, he's like, Oh man, Joe. Oh man, Joe. And then and then another one off to my left popped on and I and I looked over that way. And then as I moved, more switches and they popped on house lights are coming on everywhere. And I'm sitting there going, Oh, somebody's getting fired over this And then, right then, um, the production manager who was directing from the very front row, she turned around.
1: Her name's Mary, Mary, and unfortunately, um, she sadly, she, she passed, just away passed away recently. Away this year,
0: yeah, Mary. She she gets up and she starts bolting <laughs> back towards me, and I'm like. Like, man, she's mad. And then literally, right literally, she pushes me out of the way and she's trying to figure out the light switches. So some are popping off and some are popping on. And and I'm like, <laughs> what in the world's going on? And then, um, and it took him a few minutes and, and I just, Is, anyway,
1: when did you realize this was all your fault?
0: I was in denial for weeks. Yeah. I didn't think it was me. <laughs> Because I did not believe that I did that. So what's really funny is after the production, I'm I'm back there saying hi to everybody. And literally, everybody coming out of that tree was like, way to go, Joe. Way to go. Way to go. Good job. I'm like, I,
1: that wasn't me. Everyone, Somebody else. It everyone, wasn't me. Everyone saw you do it. But I think it.
0: after all these years, I have come to accept it was me. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was... I can't say it was a favorite memory, but just that's the one memory that popped up in my head. And I look back on it now and I laugh at it and and just, but, um,
1: that's, and you're such a good storyteller. No,
0: I have so so many wonderful memories. I, I can tell you the coursework was very hard. The relationships, however, were very rich and, um, the whole experience was extremely rewarding. So much of who I am today, I can trace back to that season of my
1: life. That's all for today's show. We want to thank our amazing producer, Abby O'Brien. Be sure to check out our show notes and the links for things that we talked about today. And don't forget to subscribe. Thanks for joining us on Under the, the hood.
0: hood, Not a Car Show. Yeah. But I'm so. pretty sure you were 19 when you came to Ozark, and then you came in August and we met but then you turned 20 it's 18 Oh you were 18 when you came to Ozark Well
1: eight, 18 I would have turned 18 You that would have fall. turned
0: 19 That's right
1: I don't remember I know we got ma- I got married in, at 22 which means I got engaged at 21 which means
0: But you were already in Oregon when we, we got engaged
1: We started dating at 20
0: Yeah and you came to Ozark at 19 you're right. You I think you were 18. I was wrong. Anyway,
1: Glad we could figure this out after the podcast. I just like, <laughs> I like, I
0: like telling people that I've known my wife since she was a teenager. I like that.
1: I am still recording so we can put this in. <laughs> <laughs>